Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. everybody. This is Sandra Beck and I am with dream expert J.M. DeBoard. You can look him up. You can find his books wherever books are sold. He has a dream dictionary. He's got programs on Udemy. He's got a couple other products out there. You're not going to be sad you listen today. You're actually going to be excited and glad. J.M., welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, Sandra. I always love coming to talk about dreams with you. You know a lot about your dreams and you have tracked them for years now. And uh, so it gives us an opportunity to have a conversation where we can enlighten other people to um, your audience for how to get more out of their dreams and better understand them. So yeah, let's do this. Absolutely. And you know, to go back a little bit in time, JM, I think this is probably like our 10th episode at least uh, together. And I have to say, when I first came across your work, I was like, hmm, I don't really dream. You know, that was my first, um, you know, kind of my first reaction. And when we were assigned to do some shows on dreams because of a sponsor, I'm like, hmm, I'll give it a try. Well, then your book came in the mail and I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then as I, I took your dream course, there's one on Udemy and then there's the, the, the book that, what, what's the book one called? I forget the title. You, I think it was my first book about dream work and interpretation titled Dreams 123. That was it, Dreams 1, 2, 3. And, you know, I picked it up over the summer and I thought, huh, you know, I wonder if there is something to this. And, you know, I followed the instructions in the book. And you guys, if you're, you're learning how to analyze your dreams or have any interest in it, it's a really good place to start. At least it was for me because it was clear and it was concise and it gave me really, really just simple instructions to follow. And I was amazed at how much you know, from four or five years ago to today, how much dreams play a part in not only my decision-making process, but in handling the things that, that happened to me. And, you know, I'd like to start first with talking about, you know, what are dreams and, and why do we need to pay attention to them? And are there some famous successful people that use dreams to guide their career? <laughs> well, um, uh, yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Um, what are dreams? They are make-believe. This is how I explained it to my 10-year-old niece. Uh, what are dreams, Uncle Jason? Um, and I said, well, you know, really what dreams are, they are make-believe. You're making, you're making up these stories, and then you are making believe that everything is happening in the dream as you're participating in it. You believe that it's real as it's happening. So let's uh, put it in more adult terms. Um, dreams are interactive stories like a virtual reality where there is a part of your mind that creates these stories for you. It's known as the unconscious mind. And it It has many purposes behind it. Sometimes it's as simple as processing memories and digesting what's happened during the day. 
Um, a lot of emotional digestion goes on in dreams, and then it gets into deeper processes. Remember that you have four or five periods of dreaming during a night of REM stage dreaming when dreams are very vivid. And so you're experiencing a broad range in that in those periods of dreaming, it can begin with something as simple as just sort of processing the memories of your day. And then it can get to dreams that are more about looking at the big issues and the big picture of what's going on in your life. And your dreams are giving you information and perspective to help you to, you know, make better decisions and to understand your life and yourself better. And then there are dreams sometimes that can be life-changing. They impact you so hard and their message, even if you don't interpret the dream, you can still feel, man, there was something big and powerful that happened in that dream. So there's a range of things that are happening. And in the long term, what your dreams are really trying to do is help you to become the best you that you can be. It's kind of like you have this combination best friend, parental figure, um, guru, and life coach that is observing your life from the background. It has no blind spots or ego turf. It has a much broader range of information to draw from. And it's telling you these stories that are helping you to become a better person. That's if you want to engage with the dream and you want to become a better person, then your dreams are the best sort of psychotherapist and life coach that you could ever ask for. Now, one of the things that I have noticed about people who are um, highly effective and successful in their lives, maybe not necessarily president of the bank or, you know, made a million bucks, but just people who are very, you know, successful in life. One of the things that I found they have in common is, is that they keep trying track of their dreams. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're all dream interpreters, but they make a habit of journaling their dreams every morning that they wake up with a memory. And over time, what you're doing is you're building a relationship with the side of your mind that's creating your dreams. It is observant and it is also independent of you, the ego. And it has its own point of view on things and it, it's, it, it knows what you are doing in response to it. It wants you to understand and know your dreams better and to know it through your dreams and it wants to know you. So there's this two-way street, this cycle that's happening. There are people such as Take Larry Page, the uh, co-founder of Google. He was a Stanford uh, uh, doctoral student in computer science, and he was looking for what he was going to study. And he was really racking his brain. What am I going to do for my PhD? This is going to set out the course of the next few years of study and then potentially for his adult life. The, the decision he was making then on what to study as a grad student, he came up with this idea you could download the internet onto the Stanford School computer servers, and then he could index it in a way, and he came up with an idea that's called PageRank, Larry Page, PageRank. PageRank became the algorithm that is the underlying infrastructure of Google. It is the, the core idea for Google, which is now the largest technology company in the world. It started off in his dream. Albert Einstein had a dream about sledding down a hill and he's going faster and faster until he's approaching the speed of light. And he's looking around him and observing the effects that are happening as time slows down and all these weird things start happening. He used it as the core idea for the theory of relativity. 
So, Sandra, you want to talk about some successful people and brilliant ideas that have come to us through dreams, but it's happening every day. You know, you may not necessarily hear about it, but you might see it, such as the song that you listen to, the artist got an inspiration from a dream, the TV show you're watching, the writer or the director got an inspiration from a dream, the advertisement you see on TV. Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can get benefits out of your dreams, and these are just a few examples. Well, and I love that because, you know, it really legitimizes for me the study of our dreaming mind because before I did these shows, I kind of like chalked it up to like kind of parlor tricks, you know what I mean? Like, you know, party yeah. kind of things like, oh, there's not really anything to it. But, you know, and I'm glad you, you answered in such detail because these are really powerful examples of how our dreams can you know, lead us to different avenues or, you know, give us ideas, maybe things that, that, you know, we wouldn't have come up with, you know, if we were using our, you know, typical cognition during the workday. I know whenever people pressure me to come up with a solution for a computer and I have to remind them, like, this is the first time we've had this problem in human history. So I might need more than 15 minutes to solve it. Um, Yes. There's nothing better in my tech business than to take a nap. Truly. Truly. I think they sleep on it. Yeah. Then I get overwhelmed and I'm like, you know, I'm starting to spin in circles and there's nothing better at this point. Nothing I can do but continue to spin in circles. I lay down, I go to sleep. A lot of times the solution will come to me immediately upon waking. And you know, that was something that I've used way back, you know, 20 years ago in college. And I never equated that technique with, with my dreaming mind. Well, when you go to sleep, you're giving your mind an opportunity to step back. And there's an advice people say to sleep on it. If there's a problem or a question or something, common advice is, well, let's sleep on it and then we'll see in the morning or after a nap. Well, there's good reason for that because you're allowing your mind to cross-reference, to bring in other resources for problem solving and, and uh, decision making that may not be accessible to you right there on the spot. There's all kinds of activity that's going on in the brain as you're sleeping and specifically while you're dreaming. You're, you're cross-referencing various areas of the brain. Here's an example. Um, I play guitar, and I have I noticed like if I'm working on a new song or learning a scale or a chord or something like that, that I you know I can work on it to a certain point the pre before going to sleep. Like I I need I can spend let's say a couple hours practicing, and I'm going to hit a wall with it. I'm not going to get any better no matter how much I practice. Can you know until I can go to sleep and process some of these things more deeply? Then what happens? is the next time I pick up my guitar and I'm working on, say it's a song, that I notice that my fingers go to the chords more naturally, that my sense of time is, is better, that I have an overall better sense of the song. And it's allowing these different parts of my brain to communicate while dreaming and form stronger connections specifically related to that song. So the manual dexterity for the fingers and the hands to coordinate with each other to play the guitar, the sense of rhythm and time comes from another part of the brain. Um, so all these different parts of the brain get a chance to have a big powwow basically while you're sleeping and they go, okay, how can we coordinate better so that we can, 
um, uh, we can improve at this thing that is obviously important to you if you've spent a couple hours practicing at it. You know, a lot of people, there's this um, sort of idea that's floating around that dream interpretation is hocus pocus and that dreams are meaningless. It's just a hodgepodge of stuff that's being spit out by your brainstem as you're sleeping. And this comes from a theory that was known as activation synthesis. Back in the 80s, there was a guy out of Harvard who observed that when people go to sleep and start to get into dream stages, that the brainstem becomes active. And what he theorized is, is that dreams are just the result of the of the mind trying to make sense of random signal noise you know it's kind of like if you were listening to static on the radio and you tried to turn it into a song you know it's just static it's meaningless there's no melody there's no harmony there's no music to it but you are trying to turn it into a song that's what he says that this researcher said. And he had a little bit of convincing evidence. He hooked people up to EEGs and brain scans and stuff like that. And he made a, you know, he made an argument that was good enough to pass muster academically, but it was a completely, it was good observation, but completely the wrong conclusions because not all dreams are meaningful, Sandra. There's a lot of dreams that you have in a night or a process of dreaming that goes on that's kind of like the warm-up before the performance. If you listen to the orchestra warming up, what you'll hear are all the, the violinist is playing one thing and the bassoon is playing another and the French horn and the trumpet and, you know, all these people, all these musicians are playing different things to warm up and tune their instruments. This is something that happens during dreams where you'll just start seeing imagery and have sensation and hear sound as you're falling asleep. That's the warm up. But when dreams become meaningful, there's a structure and a narrative to them. They become engaging. And then you walk into the story as a participant. And those dreams, I think, are the ones that are the most meaningful because they've engaged you enough to fully pull you in and make you completely believe what's happening as if it is real, as if it's happening in your waking life. So, Sandra, I tell you, dreaming is one of the best things I have done for myself. And you're saying it's one of the best things you've done is to track your dreams and just spend some time reflecting on them. You know, I teach at dream school that there is a simple fact about dreams. You create your dreams, so you must know what they mean. Subconsciously, you create them, so subconsciously, you know what they mean. So you are empowered when you wake up from a dream and you're like, huh, that was an interesting dream. I wonder what it means. Start off by assuming that you already know somewhere deep down inside yourself what it means. You don't have to dig deep into the theories of Sigmund Freud and sleep medicine and psychology and all this stuff. They, it can be helpful sometimes to know those theories, but there's a core truth that you already know what the dream means. You created the experience for yourself so you can understand your dreams. Well, and I think that's so powerful the way you put it. And I think, you know, for many of us, we need some simple training, you know, like your dreams, one, two, three, you know, that gave me some simple steps. And like anything, it's a skill you get better at. You know, if I had had the dream that I had this weekend that I'll share on today's show, um, maybe 
even a year ago, I think I would have struggled with deconstructing it. But I simply looked at the symbols. I looked at, you know, kind of how they related to what was going on. And, you know, it was a very simple deconstruct. And when big things happen, you know, big thing happened in my life last week. Um, One of my very good dear friends, her adult son took his own life. And everybody was like, why? What happened? Did you know? How, you know, was he depressed? Was he this? Was he that? And I, I went to bed that night and I really asked my dreaming self, you know, what is it that that's going on here? You know, what happened? How do you make sense of it? And then I woke up and my dream had someone that was resembling this young man, but not, not identical, who was a teacher or performer. Now this kid performed a lot. And so many people were throwing shoes at him. And then he walked over, sat down. I was on a blanket watching this performance of him getting with shoe, hitting with shoes. And then he lay down, put his head in my lap and I, I was consoling him. And I said, it's okay. It's all over now. There's no more pain. It's all over now. And I woke up feeling so much better because I had been agonizing over the whole week, you know, kind of wondering why this happened. So I'm curious for your dream dis- deconstruction and see how accurate it is toward mine. Well, you know, you first, you asked for a dream to help you to understand the situation better. And so when you had the dream that seemed to be a response, there's a good bet that that dream was actually your answer. You asked a question, you got an answer. The dream character didn't necessarily look exactly like the son, the, the, the boy that you knew or young man that you knew. Um, but it was close enough and you knew intuitively that they were one and the same. Sometimes dreams will disguise our people. If we dream about people that we know, the character that represents them won't necessarily look like them. It can cause reactions in the dream that will prevent the story from playing out because you react emotionally to the sight of the person. So I think that the dream might have altered his appearance just enough so that you didn't engage too much with that thought process as you're dreaming. Um, It allows the story to play out. So you say he's a performer and he was up there on stage and a stage when you're so that could be a detail that connects the two together it's a detail about him that you knew so then the dream puts him in the role of performer to symbolically tie together the the boy the, the young man that you knew with the character that's in the dream but another way of looking at it is, is that when you are up on stage, you can't hide anything about yourself. You are being seen and noticed publicly. And so that gives me an idea to connect to the next detail where he has shoes thrown at him. And when you, that looks to me like an expression of shame. Now, remember that the dream is creating the story subjectively, and you asked to try to understand better what happened with this young man. You know, when you have a uh, an otherwise healthy person who takes their own life, you, they really one of the big questions that lingers in the minds of people is why? Why did the person do that? So maybe you were 
in, in a subjective sort of way, trying to connect the dots, the observations that you'd made about this young man, and maybe there was something that he was secretly ashamed of or, try, or he was hiding it. And the shoes from the audience is a way, because throwing a shoe at someone is an expression of you should be ashamed of yourself, or it's an expression of strong disapproval. So I would wonder if there was something about that young man that you knew or suspected was the driving force behind him making such a drastic decision to end his own life, because it must have been something very powerful going on behind the scenes. Yes, and it gave me a lot of comfort because I, I thought the same thing. I thought, wow, there's something, you know, in him that's either not accepted or he doesn't feel he can share or he can can be himself or, you know, whatever those things. And I knew the throwing the shoes at him were just, you know, shaming him and, and disgust and and you know, this this young man carried so much pain. And I think the 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 biggest thing in the dream that gave me so much comfort was when his head was in my lap and I was kind of stroking his head and I'm comforting him, going, It's all over now. It's okay, the pain is over now. And you know, you could very much say, Oh, if I studied, you know, people taking their own life, that was the biggest thing they want to get out of pain. You know, that's a very prosaic way of putting it. But when I when yeah. I think of the dream of going, he's out of pain now, you know, that's the why. That's That was what was comforting me. Now, you know, do I still wish he was here? Absolutely. But it did give me some great peace of mind. Yeah, and that where he comes and puts his head in your lap, and I know you're a mother, you know, you have all those mother's instincts and that protectiveness and wanting to comfort someone who is in pain. And obviously, this young man was had a great amount of pain that maybe wasn't showing outwardly, but he, there was a sense of it actually being there and that you were able to comfort him. That was a really cool part of the dream. That also gives you what I call resolution. You know, when something is kind of open, um, unresolved, then there's a part of the dream story that is, I call it resolution. And sometimes it's in the dream and sometimes you find resolution through the implication of it. But like any good story, there needs to be something that ties it all together and resolves it. So that's part of the dream is giving you a resolution in a way that allows you to say, okay, I've answered my question. I know what happened. And maybe, maybe Sandra, there was some comfort that you were sending out to his spirit, although it's probably more should be viewed as an internal experience exclusively, um, that it wasn't actual like visitation. This was an, this was an internal experience, a subjective experience, but I like to think that we're all connected and that anything that we feel strongly in our emotions is something that the people who those emotions are directed toward can feel. And so what I hope is, is that he knows that you, um, you care about him and that you really do hope that his pain is over with. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it was amazing to me that I could ask her this and then it would be 
so clear upon waking. And that was one of the things that, that, you know, I learned from you, you know, from someone whose belief was that she can't remember her dreams or she doesn't remember her dreams to be very specific when I go to bed that I want to remember this dream. Like I went to bed and I, I, closed my eyes. I was just drifting off. And I said, okay, you know, and I talked to spirit or to God and I said, please, please give me some insight and some peace into what happened. Um, I'm having a hard time making sense of this. Can you, can you tell me it tonight? And can I wake up and remember it? Because sometimes I wake up and remember things and I only remember the feeling. I don't remember the specifics, but I found if I'm very specific in asking to remember as many details as I can, I get much better results. Yes. And you are also getting in the habit of doing this and it's something you've been practicing. So what you're noticing is, is that you are getting better and better results out of this. You're even getting to the point where you can make requests this is something that if somebody is new to working with their dreams, they've hardly put any practice into it. It's it's going to be more difficult for them to jump right in and say, hey, I can request, you know, an answer from a dream and I'll be able to wake up in the morning and remember it. And well, maybe, but the odds are not as good as the person like you who has put in the, the work already, the practice time keeping a dream journal, working with their dreams, finding out things through personal study and exploration that helps you as you are going through this process. You're really developing a relationship with the side of your mind that creates your dreams. And you can see that play out, Sandra, because as you were going to sleep, you said a prayer. And that, and then you see that you got a response to it through the dream state and you were able to remember it when you woke up, which was very wise of you to say to yourself, not only do I want the answer, I want to be able to remember it, you know? Um, so that is something that you're building a relationship with that side of yourself as you continue working with your dreams and the benefits of it tend to build and accrue and your ability to be able to work with your dreams gets sharper and better and things become clearer. You remember more from the dreams that you have. You have more detail that you can pull out in the morning. Um, you have a more vivid experience of it. You can get past personal roadblocks and things that are maybe hindering you from having deeper experiences in your dream life. For example, fear and anxiety, I find to be the two biggest hindrances to personal progress in general, but also progress in your dream life. Once you get past fear and anxiety, then the, the dreams can move on to other priorities and they can start giving you some really fantastic experiences um, that are not just addressing your fears and anxieties. So this is something that your audience can pick up on from your example you came into this thinking, eh, I don't know about this whole dream interpretation thing. Maybe it's a bunch of hocus pocus, but I'll keep my mind open. Okay, good approach. Be skeptical, be skeptical of everything, but keep an open mind about it to have your personal experience of it. Then you start putting in the practice and you start pulling up some dreams. Your dreaming mind actually responds and you have some dreams where you go, wow, that was interesting. I remember the dream you had about um, 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 Melania Trump on um, Air Force One. Yes. And you, uh, 
Yeah, uh, you had that dream and you figured out that you two were both in the same boat in the sense of you were really trying to get somewhere and flying high in your lives and your careers. Um, but you both had that mother's instincts about wanting to make sure that no matter um, what happens professionally and outside in your life, that you always have time for what's most important, which is your family. So you pulled a message out of that that helped you to get past something that maybe was a bit of a block for you at the time because you didn't want to have to sacrifice any of your family life in order to have your professional life. So the dreams have progressed as you've gone through this, and now you're to the point where you can actually make requests, which I think is great. And Sandra, you um, thank you for bringing all this up because you it, what a great example of the benefits of dream work. This is something that I preach in a sense. I tell people, just keep doing it. Give it your interest, your time, your energy. Keep a dream journal. Pay attention to your dreams because you will get better at remembering them and you will build a stronger relationship with the side of the mind that creates your dreams and you will get a big payoff from doing it. Right. Well, and here's the thing, like, and, and, you know, I'm kind of, you know, kind of a simple, easy girl. You know, I don't like to make things too complicated. I don't like drama. I don't like to spend a lot of money as a single mom, you know, soul supporting. I work hard for every dollar. And so what really intrigued me about the study of dreams and the use of them was, first of all, everyone can do it. Like we all have dreams. You don't need any special equipment. You don't need, I mean, for crying out loud, you need a pen and paper. You know, you don't need a fancy journal yeah. or, you know, a fancy div electronic device. You know, literally I've written my dreams down on, on a napkin, you know, that I'd fallen asleep in the living room. <laughs> and then I get up and I like grab, I'm reaching for a pen and write it out on a napkin, you know? So I like that you don't need any special equipment, number one. Number two, you don't need any special gifts. Like I I don't have to be considered psychic or gifted or talented. It's like for crying out loud, it's a dream, you know, like everybody dreams like, okay, I got this. And then the other thing that I liked about it was there wasn't a lot of work. Like I read through your book and I can do this. You know, it didn't add, you know, 15 steps to my day and you know, all this different stuff. And it was something that was private, fun, and best of all, free, <laughs> you know, other than purchasing <laughs> your book and taking your course, which I highly recommend. And that's not why we're here today. I, you know, I will always endorse you because you've, you've helped me a lot in this aspect of my life and you're truly an expert, but where else can you have a guidance tool for yourself? that is part of you, that's free, that doesn't violate any belief systems, you know, we're not doing voodoo, we're not doing any crazy things, you know, I can't imagine why people don't, why there's such a, a question about, you know, hey, this is something everybody has, this is what gifts, you know, is, it comes along with the human body package. You know, it's like a button on yeah. your car. You don't know what it did until you know what it did. And then you're like, wow, I really like this. 
which is like most people until they've had the experience of figuring out their dreams for themselves, that it doesn't register with them. You know, I had heard that dreams are meaningful when I was growing up, you know, let's say high school psychology class. Let's say that that's the first time I get exposed to it. And then I get into college and, you know, as part of your psychology 101, they're going to mention Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung. But then I get a little later into college, so I'm already into my early 20s, and I encountered um, a book called Toward Manhood, Toward Manhood by Larry Pesavento, and he kept referring to this guy named Carl Jung. And I said, wow, you know, okay, this, there's more here than what I knew before just from the uh, Cliff Notes version of who, this, who Carl Jung was. And so I ended up in Larry's office because he was a counselor, and he took me into dream work as part of helping me to find my own answers. As a counselor, people came to him as sort of the guru who has the answers. And what Larry said was, you have these answers inside of yourself, and they will register and resonate more deeply with you if you learn how to find them for yourself. And so the best way to do that is through your dreams. So I was fortunate, I would say synchronous in a way that this happened, where I was able to learn that dreams have meaning because otherwise I might have been caught up in that idea that had already been ingrained into my head, which is, well, maybe dreams are meaningful, but you're probably going to need a psychiatrist and you're going to have to spend a lot of money and spend many hours on their big leather couch, you know, and reveal everything about yourself even the most private personal details to someone that you don't really know, or you're going to have to go see a guru, a psychic, or someone like that who can tell you what your dreams mean. So it's very empowering when you find out, no, actually, I can find out for myself what my dreams mean, and that the answers that I get from them are going to give me a lot of benefit, and I, can, I don't need anyone else to tell me what those dreams mean. You know, there's, I get this all the time, you know, I'm a moderator at reddit.com of the dreams forum. So it's dreams.reddit.com. It's the most popular place online for sharing and interpreting dreams by far um, the biggest and most popular. We have 160,000 subscribers and I've been the moderator there, the main moderator for the past seven years. So I have seen thousands of cases where people are in discussion where they say, you know, I don't really know if dreams are meaningful. Is this even worth it? Or worse, they'll, I get people who are like, oh, dreams aren't meaningful. They're just brain farts and science proved it. And I go, well, what science are you referring to? Are you referring to the century of accumulated clinical evidence that very clearly shows correlations between people's lives and their thoughts and feelings and what they're dreaming? Or are you referring to the one or two studies that cast doubt on dreams, but were picked up and run with in some circles to spread this idea out there and disempower people? So maybe, Sandra, there's an agenda behind this because anything that empowers people to find answers for themselves from within is threatening to certain authority and power structures that claim to have those answers and want to spoon feed them to the public. 
Hmm, we probably don't have time to get into all that, but I do want to just say that this is something when you get into your dreams and you really start getting that feedback from them, you are empowering yourself and the answers that you find from your dreams are your own answers. You don't have to be spoon fed anymore by the powers that be. Right. Well, and, and, you know, it's just so fascinating. You hit the nail on the head with my belief about dream interpretation that you needed somehow this PhD. You needed to have, you know, like you can't do it. You know, the guy from behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz, you know, the wizard needs to do it. And, <laughs> you know, and I think that was one of the things that was really surprising to me because I'll be honest, I'm not your you know, best A plus student. I'm not somebody who can focus really well. And for me to read your book and then to get the dream dictionary and consult it. And sometimes I just pop on my phone and look, you know, what does shoes mean? Is this, you know, what I think it means. And, you know, the idea that you could teach somebody basically a strategy and have a toolkit to interpret their own dreams and all they need to do is do it on a regular basis, not even every night, to me is just the huge endorsement of take a whack at it. Why, why wouldn't you? What, what's the downside of, of, of playing around with your dreams? There really isn't any. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the downside to it? You know, well, for some people, maybe they're going to find out uncomfortable things about themselves. Maybe they're going to have to look the tiger in the eye and confront some aspect of themselves that's uncomfortable for them. I think it's one of the number one reasons why people don't, why they avoid their dreams, why they don't pay attention to them is because there's something uncomfortable about it for them. Because this is one of the first things when you approach dream interpretation um, that you need to come armed with. You need to come with the willingness to know the truth about yourself and to see into the dark spaces within you. And I don't necessarily mean dark as in bad, just unknown or mysterious. Or, you know, maybe there's, a, you know, something in your personality that is needing to change. Maybe there's some wound from your past that isn't healed. Your dreams will go there. You can guarantee it, Sandra. Your dreams will go there and they will take you there. So a lot of people say, no, I don't want to go there. And so they don't. But you're right. It really doesn't take much time. It doesn't take any special education. It takes some basic information. And I have recently finished um, work on a website, dreams123.com. So numbers 123, dreams123.com. It gives you my three simple facts about dreams and the three simple steps for interpreting them. And you can read that in, in 60 seconds, you can get the basics. And then the site gives you all kinds of lessons on how to explore with it deeper. There's even a YouTube video playlist. It takes about two hours to watch the basics of it um, that walks you through. It's a video lesson on each one of the steps. And then I also have a new book out. It's Rad Owl's Crash Course in Dream Interpretation. So Rad Owl is me. That's my online nickname at places like Reddit. Um, R-A-B-O-W-L, the radical owl. And it's, uh, I, I recorded it as an audio book. And Sandra, it's two and a half hours. You can go grab that audio book at six bucks at Amazon. And you can pop that in, listen to it. 
And in two and a half hours, you can have the basics of what you need so that you can wake up tomorrow and have the tools to start interpreting your dreams. What could be easier than that? Especially for a subject that is as, you know, broad as dream, dream interpretation. There are people who have PhDs in psychology that specialize in this stuff. They spent years learning all of this stuff. And you know what I find sometimes, Sandra? Is they aren't any better at interpreting dreams than you and I, than anyone else. In fact, their theories and all their academic academic minutia can sometimes make them worse at it because they'll get caught uh, in they'll get caught in a specific school of thought or formula for interpreting dreams, and they'll try to make every square peg fit into the round hole that they're trying to, you know, fit all dreams according to their pet theories. So sometimes the academics are actually worse at, and after all their years of training, sometimes they're actually worse at it and misleading about dreams and their interpretation than someone you can pull off the street, have them listen to my audio book, start keeping track of their dreams. And in no time, they are virtual experts on the subject. Well, I think sometimes it's easier for either the novice or somebody who, you know, knows their own stuff but keeps it simple like for me i just looked at the things that stood out to me in the dream the shoes you know the comfort the standing on stage you know the 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 word pain came so clearly to me um mm. you know that um i think that to me was keeping it simple you know, not trying to go too crazy in the, you know, just what do you remember? The five or six things you remember, write them down. And then how do they make sense? Well, you know, dreams one, two, three is a three-step process of dream interpretation. And in step two, you interpret the symbolism. It, one of the uh, sub-steps of that is what I call simplify simplify the idea in the dream, simplify a detail of it or the dream itself, summarize it. And then you don't, and, and that is, will help you to see what the idea is behind the various actions and symbols and things like that going on in the dream. You can simplify it and actually see what's happening in the dream. It's one of my number one tools. In fact, I, sometimes people get into these theories about dreams. They make it really complex. And I'm like, you know, once in a while, I find that there's something that needs to be pulled out of dream psychology to help to understand a dream better. Um, oftentimes, it comes from Carl Jung's um, technique of what he calls amplification. And it's a way of taking myth, legend, and other sorts of literature and stories and finding parallels in the dream. And it can help you to understand some of the deeper aspects of it, the collective aspects of it, because there's a part of the mind that's helping to create your dreams that's known as the collective unconscious. And it's the collective mind of our species going back to its origins. You can start getting into some pretty heady stuff, Sandra, when you get into the collective unconscious. But for most dreams, I think that the meaning is often just staring you right in the face. And you just need to kind of step back and simplify things in order to see the obvious. <coughs> 
Sandra, did I lose you? Yeah, looks like I lost you. Nope, I was sneezing. Sorry, I didn't think people wanted to hear me uh, sneeze. <laughs> I would have kept on talking. Sorry, but I had to cough. <laughs> uh, had a little tickle in my throat. Yeah. So no yeah, worries. simplify the dream. It's it, the dream really is that it's simp it's simpler than most people know. Every once in a while, having a, a theory about dreams that you can fall back on to help you understand it better. Every once in a while, those tools will come in handy. But I give some very simple tools for understanding dreams. Here's one for you: dreams exaggerate. This can be a hindrance for people to be able to see the parallels between their dream content and the related parallel that's going on in their life because they say, oh, but it's not, you know, the dream is blowing it way out of proportion. And I go, yeah, it's it's dramatizing it. It's exaggerating it. You know, it's like, you know, you let's say that you have someone who has recently broken up with someone who was the love of their life and then they dream about being stabbed in the heart and they go, well, you know, the breakup wasn't that bad. And I go, really? Well, okay, maybe it wasn't that bad, but if you're going to remember the dream, would you remember it better if it was just a factual recounting of the reasons for your breakup or would you be more likely to remember it when it vividly expresses how you feel? The stabbed in the heart. Yeah. If you say, you say, I've been stabbed in the heart. It's a dramatic and exaggerated way of expressing how you feel. This is how metaphors work. And one way of thinking about dreams is, is that they are metaphors in motion. You say that you feel like you've been stabbed in the heart. Okay, well, the dream takes it and turns it into a story that features that action. That metaphor is put into motion. So when you can learn these little things about dreams, it's just a base of knowledge, some facts and information about them, and a tendency to, to a way of being able to see the tendencies for how they tell stories. Then you can get into, you can start stepping back from your dreams and go, yes, I see the way that the dream is exaggerated. Yes, I can see the way that the dream creates that metaphor. Yes, I can see that there's a simple idea that's being expressed here. I teach people in my E3 process to, for in step one, to break down the dream, to identify the story elements and narrative components. The story elements are the character settings and symbols, and the narrative components are the actions, reactions, and resolution. These are basic parts of any story. Any good story is going to feature those six things. Your dreams are stories. This is simple fact number two about dreams is they are stories. So you break down and analyze the story or the dream like you do a story. So it's really quite simple. All of us are familiar with stories, Sandra. I mean, you can take somebody who doesn't have maybe the best ability to, you know, uh, focus for long periods and always get an A on the test, you know, to somebody who can go to graduate school and find out all these cool things. You don't necessarily, you know, um, the, you, you don't have to have all that stuff because anyone can understand a story. We are raised on stories, your family stories, 
the personal narratives that shape your beliefs about the person that you are, the story of your life that's written day by day, which is what I say dreams are. That's the story of your life day by day and written night by night, or at least kind of encoded into memory as these symbolic stories. So once you can get past, you can get over those minor hills to climb. It's really quite easy to interpret dreams. But there is a depth to the experience of them that is not always easy necessarily to interpret. And that's where you need some deeper tools and maybe someone like me or some of the other good teachers out there who can walk you through it. Or someone like my mentor, Larry Pesavento, who first walked me through the process of dream work. Um, but yeah, the, you don't have to have a, a big degree. You don't have to have a wide base of knowledge. What I found to be most helpful for me is a deep understanding of people and the experiences that they have in their lives. And then the next thing is my knowledge of symbolism, which, by the way, at D3 or dreams123.com, I have a two-part extensive lesson on symbolism that would take you about 20 minutes to read. And I think that if you don't know a darn thing at this moment about symbolism, that after that 20 minutes of reading through what I offer, that you'll have a real good idea of how it works. And with that, that basic knowledge of how people tick and then how dreams tell stories using symbolism, you're ready to go. If, get, have your notebook by your bedside when you go to bed tonight have that pen ready to go, make sure it works, has ink in it, you know? And when you wake up tomorrow, just to start off with a clear mind, think about what did I dream? Make it your focus first thing every morning. What did I dream? No matter what's going on that wants your attention, focus first, what did I dream? Go to bed with that on your mind, wake up in the morning with that on your mind, and you're very likely to remember something out of your dreams, and it gets the ball rolling. You, can, you might just get little fragments and pieces at first, but then as you make a habit of it, you're, that muscle, that memory muscle gets exercised, it gets stronger, and then you'll be able to pull out more and more detail out of your dreams. I have some mornings, Sandra, that it takes me half an hour to get out of bed because I've got so much dream content. But it's not every morning and it doesn't require, you know, oftentimes it's five or 10 minutes first thing in the morning. And when I do get a half hour of stuff to write down, I'm thankful for it because it's often coming at crossroads and turning points and big decision points in my life where it's really important for me to have in-depth understanding of something and to really sort through my thoughts, feelings, and perceptions so that I can make the best decisions in my waking life. Dreams are very intimate and uh, uh, connected a part of our daily lives. Most people, though, don't pay enough attention to their dreams to realize how much they really do influence you. People think that their dreams stop when they wake up. And I go, whoa, no, no. <laughs> when you wake up, it's just the other side of the coin. And when you go to bed at night and you start dreaming, now you're pulling in all the activity you had during the day and you're making it part of the activity that goes on in your dreams at night. Pretty cool, huh? 
It is pretty cool. Well, and I'll just tell you, it's part of my kind of teeth brushing, hair brushing, face washing routine. You know, it doesn't even need to be, you know, like this dedicated 10, 15 minutes in the morning. You can literally roll over, scribble everything you remember down on a piece of paper. And then while you're doing your showering, your grooming, your teeth brushing, making lunches, whatever you do, you can be thinking about it. That's what I like about it. Yeah. And just reflecting on what happened in the dream and pulling up parts of it that are maybe had the most impact on you. You said like that experience of the pain of the, of the young man, you know, like that was something that stuck out to you in a dream. That is something that is tangible and you can feel it in your body, you know? And so if you can work with that, just pull the image and the feeling into mind and just sit with it and kind of, yeah, I would say meditate on it, although that can confuse people. They think, oh, maybe I need to, you know, go sit on top of the mountain and, you know, meditate on this. No, meditate just means calm focus. And so calmly focus on something from the dream. And oftentimes it will reveal itself to you intuitively. You'll feel your way to the answer. So it doesn't require real deep analysis or, you know, um, uh, something that's a deeply intellectual exercise. Instead, it's more of an exercise of sorting through your thoughts and feelings and intuitions and hunches. And you can simply think about what it was that sticks out to you from the dream and let the answer come to you. But what you've done is given it the attention that helps to unlock that energy Every dream symbol is tremendously energetic, but it's potential energy. There's kinetic energy, which is energy that's in motion or it's applied. And then there's potential energy, which is that kinetic energy that is waiting to be released, but it's just potential. And that's the same way with dream symbols. There's tremendous potential energy in them. And by giving them your attention, you release that energy from it. And it's something that can be an experience of mind, body, and spirit, uh, engaging all of your, you know, or engaging many senses and many levels and layers of yourself simultaneously. So yeah, just give it attention and it gets the ball rolling. We love that. We love that. Now, how can people find out more about you? You talked about Reddit and you also have a dream dictionary, which I find very handy. I don't want people to forget that you have a dream dictionary. Um, where can people find out more about you? I recommend the dream interpretation dictionary, symbol signs and meanings. It's still sold at all the major retailers and stuff that's print, ebook, all that. Um, and it acts as a supplement. I wrote that dream dictionary to teach dream interpretation through the entries. Because people, when they often approach dream interpretation first, they pick up a dream dictionary. So I wanted to be able to reach those people. So I wrote the dream, the dream interpretation dictionary, and then go and go to dreams123.com and take the material that I have there and do that basic background information and lessons. So you start with that and then you add on the supplement with the dream interpretation dictionary. And I think that for most people that that would be what they need to really get going. But if you like online classes, Sandra, I took a year of my life and I created all of these online classes. Um, there are, I think, nine of them now, including bundles at dreamschool.net. That's dreamschool.net. 
and they're really, I mean, I, I took the best of what I had to offer and went into real depth with these courses. I don't think there's a course that's anything less than four hours of video. You took my Dreaming for Love and Relationships course and you saw that it's, I use lots of examples. We lay out lessons, you know, and, and I give examples of applying those lessons to dreams that people have had. And I show you how to deconstruct them and understand them and how to walk through the process of interpreting them. So dreamschool.net, if you're really interested in online courses, dreamschool.com or dreams123.com. Um, and you can pick up a copy of my uh, Rad Alice Crash course to get you started if you want it in a book you can hold in your hand and read at night before you go to bed, which I highly recommend because it puts those last thoughts in your mind before you go to bed are related to your dreams. And so it kind of cues you up for the dreams that you're going to have and prepares you for the morning when you're going to wake up and remember them. Absolutely. I mean, it's really super fun and you'll, you'll enjoy having that book next to you on your nightstand because then you can also reference it at any point. JM, I want to thank you for being my guest again today and we'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.